If you look at kind of the growth of technology, 1650 to 1850, a lot of technology was focused around machinery. What technology was doing was giving humanity more power. 1850 to 1950 was really the telecommunications boom, as well as transportation. Technology was allowing people to be present, either virtually or physically. And if you look at kind of 1950 on, information technology. And so humanity is becoming more powerful, more present, and more knowledgeable. And those are, of course, the three classic attributes of God, that he is all-powerful, all Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pastor Theologian Show. Today we're continuing with part two of our conversation with Paul Taylor, who is a teaching pastor and elder at Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto, California. We're going to continue our conversation with Paul on technology, theology, and pastoral ministry. Let's pick up right where we left off last week. So is that mostly technologists that you're you're talking to, or are you talking about the technology? Are you talking about theology? Are you trying to mix it together? What what kind of conversations are you are you having on on your podcast? Yeah, I'm, it's mostly technologists, although I'm uh, kind of fairly in the at the beginning of so of this whole effort. So it's not that you know I envision talking to scholars and business leaders as well, but. The kind of premise I have, there's been so much great work done around the faith at work movement and and how your faith influences your work and and that is really commendable. The 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 kind of premise that I'm coming in with is that if you're a Christian working in technology, then your faith should not just affect your relationships and, and your integrity and all those great things and, and your mentality, but your faith should actually affect the technological decisions you're making. So if I'm a Christian fashion designer, there are different types of fashion that I will probably choose as a Christian. If I'm a Christian technologist, it's going to affect the technology that I create. And one of the stories I like to tell, a friend of mine who used to work in technology, he used to work um, in this area doing a bunch of research and he was tasked with writing a piece of software that transferred information from one business unit to another. And he realized that when you do that, there's, you know, 50 different pieces of information you could transfer and the user can actually toggle flags to decide which information gets transferred and which does not. Uh, But he realized as an engineer that he was designing this software and the way he set the default behavior is probably the way 80% of his users would end up using it. So you realize that the default behavior is actually going to end up being the most common behavior. And he, he kind of had the insight to recognize that some of those decisions about bits of information to transfer were ethical decisions. So he went to his boss and he said, uh, what do I do? How, how do I make this decision? He said his boss turned to him and said, Rob, do the right thing and sent him on his way. <laughs> and that was just so, uh, so, so deficient of an answer. And, and he, said, yeah. he said this line thanks that I the, love. Thanks for the clear direction there. Right? I mean, th- he's trying to do the right thing. He needs some help. So he, yep. said, he said this line that I, I love repeating. He said, I realized then that I didn't have enough theology to be a good engineer. Huh. And that drove him to then leave engineering and go, to, go get some theological training. And he kind of never wound his way back to engineering. But, but that's my sense is that I think engineers could use some theology about the actual engineering they're doing. But I don't know what that is because I'm not an engineer anymore. And so 
having conversations with other technologists, I think kind of in collaboration, we can come up with some ideas that would hopefully be helpful. Yeah. And it, and wouldn't that be the case for so many different vocations? I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, a Christian fashion designer is just one. Sure. But yeah, I think that's part of our vision or, or our hope with the Center for Pastor Theologians is casting a vision for pastoral leadership, but also on some level for just folks in congregations to see yeah. that theology is massively important for right living in into the kingdom of God. That's right. And it's not some sort of add-on for nerdy people who are especially interested in that sort of thing, right. but it's it's important for everybody and it's important for the health and and life of the church. I just wanted to kind of say as a sidebar that it's fascinating to talk about it as it relates to technology, but certainly this would apply to any number of vocations and and work that people in the church are doing. Absolutely. And you referenced, you know, the entertainment industry in LA. I'm I'm sure, or, or I hope that there are Christians in the entertainment industry talking about what kind of theology are we either promulgating or being affected by in the entertainment we create. And so, yeah, any industry, I think, is, it's worth having these conversations. Specifically, then, as it relates to technology, uh, either on your podcast or going back to the, the study group uh, that you had at your church, what kind of questions are, are people asking as it relates to being a Christian and using technology, developing technology, thinking about technology, what what were some of the things that were brought up that you would think about or or folks that were attending these would, would ask you? Yeah, there's kind of two, I think you can approach it from two directions. You can kind of approach it from the cultural side of technology. What questions are people asking? And then you can approach it from the biblical theological side. Yeah. And, and hopefully there's some convergence in the middle, but what I've discovered from the cultural theological side, and there actually is a convergence that when you start doing the biblical theological work, you land in the same place, is that the core issue is humanity. And, and the, the central question is, what does it mean to be human? So if you walk up to kind of the average person in Silicon Valley and say, um, you know, what do you, think, what do you think some of the benefits of technology are? They're going to talk about how it can enhance our humanity. It can give us more communication skills, connect us to people we wouldn't be connected to, give us capabilities we didn't have before. Um, and then if you ask them the corollary question, well, what, what are you scared about technology? They're going to talk about things that threaten our humanity. So it's going to remove personhood. It's going to um, make relationships shallow. It's going to you know, remove self-identity. And so the, the kind of refrain I always say is people are excited about technology because it offers to extend our humanity but they're scared of technology because it threatens to degrade our humanity. And that has resonance pretty widely. I mean, not just in Christian circles, that has yeah. secular resonance. Um, and so then if that's the case, then the, the, the core question that has to be answered is, if we're worried that tech is going to somehow take away some part of our humanity, you got to answer the question, what does it mean to be human? You have to have a vision of humanity in order to protect. And a lot of people don't. And so this is where I think actually there's a lot of potential for Christians to step into the public conversation and say, actually, we do have a vision for what it means to be human. And it is the most beautiful, the most compelling vision the world has ever encountered. 
And it doesn't have to do with who should get married or who sits in the White House or any of the issues that are kind of currently driving contemporary thing. It, it has to do with personhood and it has to do with deep relationship and sacrifice and humility and being known and being seen and having your shame be borne by another so that you can relate in authenticity to someone else. I mean, there's this deep, beautiful picture of what it means to be human that I think Christians can offer the world because they're actually asking the question. Right, because what would the alternative, it's difficult sometimes for someone like me or you who has grown up with a Christian worldview pretty consistently and just kind of had that as an anchor point for we're made in God's image and that is grounding us in some way. Right. So I wonder what the experience has got to be like for someone who doesn't hold to that you know, doctrinal confession, and then is seeing this, kind of to your point, simultaneously exciting and stimulating progression of technology, but also terrifying in, in, in if you look at it from another way. And this is kind of the caught the popular culture imagination in so many ways, and just with so many television and movie series. I don't know, one of the classic examples of the is the Terminator movies right. where the ro- where the robots take over and kill us. There's like the 10% of us in the back of our heads that's like, but is that actually going to happen at some point? Yeah. And then there's all this Harari post-humanism stuff right. tied, tied up with it. So all that to say is just I'm resonating with the significance of the Christian narrative as it relates to these questions. Yeah, I think what's powerful about that, what you've been pointing out, is that yep. the Christian vision of humanity is actually... It's deep within us, and and what I don't actually think you need to sell it that much. When you start talking about it, people resonate with it. So, you know, the kind of you mentioned Harari, the kind of image of we're all going to eventually join dataism, and you know, our value as persons is going to be our contribution to the oversoul of data, so that that that's how we matter. Like nobody wants that. Nobody. That may be where we're headed, but. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. Sign me up. Yes. You know, but if you talk about a humanity where you are known for who you are, where you are loved, where you are accepted, where you, you're, you're, your guilt is forgiven and your shame is washed away, I mean, nobody's going to say, yeah, no thanks. You no know? thanks, right. <laughs> it's, it's just immediately compelling. And so it, I think it's actually an opportunity um, because people are longing for this. Yeah, and I and another uh, thing that comes to mind is even the the goodness of embodiment. That's right. Because I th- think that's another thing that it's so it's so interesting how intuitive so much of this is. And I think one of the aspects of that that I think people are sensitive to is the denying of our embodiment in some way as if, as if our finitude and embodied existence is something to be overcome right and transcended and on the one hand like if someone will offer you a future where people live well past the lifespan of 80 or 90 years old and people are living to 300 500 or or longer or something like that but then if you qualify it and say but you're you're living in a qualified non-embodied right. something or another then everybody starts to get nervous about it like that is it's 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 fascinating that living 500 years would on some level be desirable but if 
it's not the embodiment that I'm familiar with. And I think I intuit on some level is good and intended for me. Yep. Uh, you start to wonder whether it's worth it. Like maybe maybe I'll just take the 75 years in my body and, yeah. and uh, take a pass on the 500 years without it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Just a quick note about our annual conference here at the Center for Pastor Theologians. This year's topic is Techne, a Christian vision of technology. And we will be hosting this conference in Chicago on October 14th to 16th, 2019. We have a lot of great speakers lined up, including Andy Crouch, Pastor Charlie Dates, Karen Swallow Pryor, and a great lineup of pastors, scholars, academic theologians, and sociologists, as well as tech experts. It's going to be a great set of conversations, and I encourage you to go to our conference website, cptconference.com, to learn more and to register. Let's get right back into our conversation with Paul Taylor. The thing about, um, you know, embodiment is one of what I think are constraints that God places on us. And this is where, you know, speaking from the biblical theological side about, okay, now what does it mean to be human? This is why it took me so long to get through the first parts of Genesis, because what stood out to me was that in the whole story of creation, God is giving his people, God is giving his creation incredible potential it almost seems to me looking at the, for the lens of technology that God is laying his people out in the middle of a room full of Legos and saying, right. here's all the pieces build. And so I think God wants us to be technological. He wants us to extend our natural capabilities. You know, he's very happy that we're hammering with metal hammers rather than our fists like that. We were meant to discover that. So there's this vast potential, but then the creation story also, I think emphasizes the constraints that we're put under you know, God creates the fish and the birds who live in the realms that are inaccessible to us. And it's almost as if he's highlighting that fact that these are realms we've made incredible advances in exploring underwater and and going as high as we can in the skies, but we haven't reached the limits and we're always going to be bound. And so one of the phrases I use is that we're created with a kind of constrained potential that we have this potential, but, but there, are, there are these constraints. The weather is another constraint that we, with all of our technology, we, we still can't seem to control it. And yet we carry these powerful, powerful computers in our pockets. And one of our first questions is always, is it going to rain? People have been asking that forever. So what I think can go wrong with technology is when technology tries to transcend those boundaries, tries to live an unconstrained way. And being disembodied would be just one of, you know, transcending the constraints of physicality. But, but there's all sorts of other ways where technology kind of offers to, to remove the glass ceiling and let us go completely transcendent of all these constraints, which is actually, that's what I think really threatens our humanity. But then what would you say to someone who says, well, certainly if we had the capacity to control the weather and stop a hurricane from making landfall, wouldn't we do that? I don't know. Who's, uh, you know, <laughs> what, are the, what are the side effects? What are the, yeah. I think it's God's grace that we can't control the weather. In fact, there's a, uh, there, there is an effort. Um, I did some research about this a while back that was exactly that, st- setting up stations where people were trying, the government was kind of trying to control the weather. And, and there, there's like a underground conspiracy theory that those stations were actually successful decades ago and that the, the U.S. government is actually controlling the weather. And can you imagine the political backlash if, if it turns out that everything that's happened was intentional? I mean, 
all the all the disasters, all the all the hurricanes yeah. and could a weather system even function without extremes of weather? What would kind of a 75 degrees and sunny everywhere all the time? I'm not sure that would work. Which maybe just underscores the point that how do you find the balance between, because there have been, there have been naysayers at every stage of technological advance in human history. One could presume that, well, we don't want to touch that because then we're we're playing God. Then the dinosaurs get out of their cages and eat you. Right, the, yeah. like that's that's how it that's how it ends up, and yep. that's like the, the the lesson that supposedly we need to learn. I've seen that movie, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think you're right, and I resonate with what you're saying. Like humans should not play God on the one hand, right? But then on the other hand, it's like, but aren't we kind of called to? On a, in a different way. Yeah. Like God makes us in his image, and you've already alluded to the fact that God is creative and we create. Maybe God, you know, big C creates and we small C create. But it's part of our vocation is this creative uh, capacity. How do you deal with that tension between playing playing God on the one hand and then on the other hand feeling like we're called to cultivate and create and advance and reach out into the into the good world that God has made. Yeah, I mean, that was actually one of my first blog articles was entitled Becoming Better Gods because yeah. I think that's what technology allows us to do. And I, I actually think that's what we're called to do, to your point of we are called to have dominion. And so I have kind of a chart that I use sometimes where we are, God has positioned us in between himself and his creation. And so we are part of creation, but we are also over it. And so if you if you kind of from our vantage point look down, we are to be as God to his creation, but then we are not to be God. And so if you look down, we are gods over his creation. But if you look up, we are servants of the true God. And so it's, it's living within that tension. And I think it's, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a tension and it's not one that can be resolved by a recipe or by, you know, oh, just do this. But it's a, it's an exercise of dependence and prayer and submission and mistakes and, and redemption and, so technology is meant to increase our capability. We're meant to grow closer. In fact, one of the trends I point out is that if you look at kind of the growth of technology, I mean, make sure I have the dates in my kind of 1650 to 1850, roughly a lot of technology was focused around machinery, agricultural, textiles. And so really what, what technology was doing was giving humanity more power. And then if you look kind of 1850 to 1950 was really the telecommunications boom. Um, as well as transportation. And so the telegraph, the airplane, automobiles. And so uh, technology was allowing people to be present either virtually or physically faster or in ways that hadn't been available before. And if you look at kind of 1950 on, it's the big data and information technology. And so we are able to have more knowledge than we've ever had and collect knowledge and sort it and dispense it. So if we look at those three trends... Humanity is becoming more powerful, more present, and more knowledgeable. And those are, of course, the three classic attributes of God, that he is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And so over, over time, we are becoming more like God. Undeniably, we are increasing in power, increasing in presence. In terms of our capacities. That's right. We are definitely becoming more godlike. but that, it's kind of like saying, if I take a few steps this direction, I'm closer to Texas. Well, I am closer to Texas, you know, but there's still a long way to go. Right. <laughs> so I do think technology kind of awakens 
the image of God within us to to exert our dominion. And then the trick is how do we do that in submission to God's plans yeah. and in submission to his original vision for humanity? How does all this relate to eschatology? Because it starts sounding real post-millennial. Sure. And that's not something I'm especially comfortable with. Absolutely. Well, the, the, there's, there's actually a theological movement called Christian transhumanism. But that's the kind of belief that this is how the resurrection will happen, that our new bodies would be technological bodies, that maybe we would live. The resurrected body could be a cyborg and that, that technology is how Jesus will bring in the kingdom. And, and there's a bunch of reasons why that's really appealing to think that way, but I think it's very misfounded. It, it is kind of the current reincarnation of post-millennialism. But I think it's just the call that we've always had, that we are to be God's kingdom on earth. We are to seek to implement the kingdom, grow in our abilities. But, but then, you know, it's not, a, it's not a up and to the right until, until the, new, the new creation, but that there will be some type of final movement um, and, and final rebellion final, even judgment. I mean, we just preached through Revelation as a church and I preached to my people in Silicon Valley that we are Rome and God judged Rome. So maybe technology will disappear before Jesus returns. Einstein's quoted as saying, uh, I do not know what weapons the third world war will be fought with, but I know what weapons the fourth world war will be fought with. Rocks. And right. uh, maybe that's true. You know, maybe this whole technological thing is a season and it collapses upon itself. And as Christians, we ought to be prepared for that. It's not as if this is the way God has to work. Which, of course, seems unthinkable to us on one level. Absolutely. But the, the fall of Rome would have seemed as equally as impossible. Yeah, that's right. Good point. So just to kind of wrap up these questions, theology, technology, and and pastors. Yeah. You as a pastor who's done some intentional work and thinking and ministry related to these questions. Why do you think these issues are important things for pastors in particular to be thinking through? I think it's really important for pastors to be willing to step out and say that the technology either that we create or that we use has theological implications. And one of the things that prevents, I think, pastors from doing that is just a lot of pastors are very low tech. And so on the one hand, having a little bit better understanding of the theological connections is helpful. And that's why your conference is going to be really beneficial. But I'd also encourage pastors that you don't have to know what the connections are to say that they're there and that you can actually lean on the people in your congregation. If you have parents using technology, if you have technologists creating technology, the spirits in all of us, they're going to, when I started this, I kind of had the sense, this has to be a collaborative theological effort because none of us know all the questions that are being asked. So how could we possibly come up with the answers? It's really in getting around a table. You know, pastors could easily host a group of teenagers around a table and say, how does the technology you use make you feel more human? And how does it make you feel less human? And as a pastor, I don't think you have to have any answers to that question, but I guarantee you're the teenagers in your church, they'll have some answers. And I think they'd be pretty insightful. So I think just having the courage to explore it and come together with some sense that Technology affects who we are as people and that that can be dangerous, but God can also use that in redemptive ways. And that makes me think of, because I feel like for some pastors, it can be really intimidating to step out into a topic like technology or who knows how many other how many other uh, analogs there would be. Yeah. Just because there's an acute sense that, yeah, this might be interesting and important, but I don't know how much I have to say 
that is helpful on this. Right. Um, I'm not an expert, but what you were just saying, I think, will hopefully you know stir some motivation in, in different in different people. But it also reminds me of I'm not sure exactly where, but early on in, in Calvin's Institutes, he talks about the spirit of God being poured out on. It's it's fascinating because he doesn't just say believers, but he says all people. Yeah, uh, and granting gifts of intellect and insight to all human beings. Right, and that's something that we should, uh, on some level, tap into. And Calvin, before just about anybody, would be quick to acknowledge that those insights are fractured and uh, potentially even uh, depraved on some level. But he also says any anything good and uh, true truly is a gift of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's just a step of, uh, of faith for pastors to step out and trust that God has imbued by his Spirit insight and wisdom into the men and women in their congregations. And that it'll reflect on the pastor's own experience. The pastor comes in with a theological context and framework that other people don't have. But so as those things meet, as the real world experience yes. of teens or parents with the theological reflection, like there's going to be some, there's going to be some synergy there. I think pastors feel like, well, I can't, you know, sure, I could read a book and then teach teenagers how they should and shouldn't use technology. And there are places where that's very, very helpful and a great thing to do. But to come and say, let's have a discussion and let's explore together, that I think could have great power. And as those teenagers share, absolutely, that pastor in prayer and their background and training, they're going to have thoughts that contribute and it could be a great conversation. Well, Paul, uh, it's been great to have you on. Yeah. This is a fascinating set of questions and topics and We'll look forward to having you out for our conference in October. In case you're listening and you're interested in coming to the conference, I hope you're interested in coming to the conference if you're interested in these questions. Uh, the dates are October 14th through the 16th, and it will be hosted at Calvary Memorial Church, which is just outside Chicago. Uh, you can find out more about the conference at cptconference.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you, Paul, there. Uh, among our other speakers and presenters. Sounds great. Thanks, Zach. That's been yep. really fun. Good to have you on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, the CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.